Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. The Bible speaks of the richness and victory of spiritual life in ways that are poetical. This life isn't really known until it's known. There are no words to capture its full reality because when you come to it, you put your foot into eternity. One of the ways that God speaks of this life is as a well of water that we can drink from. Where is that water so that I can drink from it and never thirst again? That's what the woman at the well asked. She didn't know that the answer was right before her in the person of Jesus Christ. We must learn, too, that God's answer for us in all things is not far away, but right in view for the eyes of faith. Go to Genesis chapter 21 for a moment. I want you to look at verses 15 through 19. It's the story of Abraham who has been promised that he is going to receive a son through which God is going to bless the earth and God is going to provide a blessing for him. And Abraham's wife Sarah is barren and Abraham has a hard time believing that God is going to actually provide this miracle in the way that God has spoken it. And so, under Sarah's encouragement, he's taken unto himself her handmaid, Hagar, and he's had a child with Hagar, and this child will be the son of blessing. But that wasn't God's intent or plan. That's man taking up in his flesh God's salvation. It never satisfies. It is another analogy of what we're talking about. God opens up a salvation, a way of life for us, and the well comes up that he provides for us, but we say, I'll do this on my own, and I wander around to dig my own wells and do things in my own power, and that's exactly what Abraham has done here. He's said, well, God, I I accept your promises, and I know you're going to do this for me, and I'll bring it about, and I'll fulfill it in my own wisdom and way, and it's another failure, and it brings ruin into his life, and it brings tension into his home. Sarah finds herself jealous and unhappy with Hagar and her son Ishmael, and God does answer the prayer of Abraham eventually, and he gives them a son through Abraham. Sarah can't stand to have Hagar and Ishmael around anymore, so she says, send him away. Abraham obeys his wife, unfortunately. And he sends Hagar off with Ishmael with just a little skin of water into the wilderness. There in the wilderness, they come to a point where they run out of the water that's provided in that skin. And here's what we read. Verse 15, And the water in the skin was used up, and she, speaking of Hagar, placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance about a bowshot. For she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. And so she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin of water and gave the lad a drink. Will you notice here that the well of water was there in her presence all the while that she was laying down to die of thirst? 
all the while that she had separated herself from those people that should matter to her and her son. All the time the water was there, but her eyes were closed and blind to it. And God opened her eyes to see it. So it is true with all of us. God has to open our eyes to see what is right before us. We'll never need be thirsty or barren or empty because the well is opened up to everyone who will see and believe. The Lord Jesus tells us later, the Father speaks to us through Isaiah to reveal to us that He is the one, the Lord is the one, who is the water that we can drink from. He is the life-giving water that would pour Himself into our life to satisfy all of our needs. And He's there for us in every moment. He's in the midst of every circumstance. This means that in my trials and difficulties in life, and even in the great moments of my temptations, the well is right there. The answer and sufficiency and provision for that moment is right there for me. In the circumstances that seem to be turning against me, the very things that made me doubt and question God and His faithfulness, the well is right there in that moment. The commands of God that I balk at and that I don't want to go forward and obey, right there in those commands, the well is there for me to draw from and drink from. Those relationships that I either flourish in or I seem to falter and fail in, those stresses that come upon me from others, right there, the well is right there. Now, listen, in a sense what this does, particularly for the believer, is it strips us of an excuse that we oftentimes use when we fail miserably. What we say is, I couldn't take it anymore. I tried my best, but I just couldn't do, I couldn't. That's all you can expect from me. That's all that I had to offer. Well, that was the problem. You were offering all that you had. You always end up that way then. What you're really confessing is, I didn't by faith see the well. I didn't see the fountain in that circumstance, in that situation. My own stubbornness, my own desire to prove it myself, to do it myself, to please myself, to satisfy myself, whatever it was. I allowed my circumstances and the situations to blind me. Somehow I cowered down behind the problem instead of lifting my eyes up to see that beyond the hills, the Lord is the one who brings me help and aid, and it was all right there for us. It kind of, in a way, provides a wonderful promise to us, <laughs> a wonderful promise, but it also removes from us all of our excuses and all the things that we say. It actually, in a sense, strips bare from the person who would come to give you counsel and encouragement. I know, I know, it's really not your fault. I know those circumstances were... I know, I know it was the way you were raised. I know, I know it was, well, she is a very difficult person. I know, I know you, you're weak and you have these... It kind of strips the man of God and the man of God's word and the person who understands God's truth. And if you embrace this from you yourself, it strips from you the words that you want to give people in these circumstances. What you can say is, I know it's difficult, 
Yes, I realize the water in that skin is empty, and I realize the child is crying, and I would have probably done the same thing and wandered off the same way, but did you know there's a well right here, right before you that you can drink from, and it's always been there, and He can provide, and He can answer, and this is where your satisfaction will come. This is where your answer will come. The failure is always a failure to see and to come. It's always a failure to see and come. And so our prayer ought to be as we labor over the other people's lives and our own lives that God would open our eyes to see the well of water that is before us at all times and that God would drive us thirsty to Him. Thirsty to Him. Now, I want to emphasize some other things to you. I want to point out to you something about the vital expression of the life that's found in this well. What we realize is that this well of water is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ living out Himself in us. It's Christ coming to us and living into us and expressing through the Holy Spirit His own being, His own existence within our being. We've learned that when we come to Jesus Christ and we receive Him as Savior, that there are two great pillars of salvation. One is the pillar of justification where God in heaven declares that our sins are forgiven and that we are declared an adopted child of God and where God declares that we have been restored or reconciled to Him and God takes all of our sins and attributes and accounts it to the suffering of Christ on the cross for our sins and God looks at us and He attributes or accounts to us almost on a ledger the account of all of His righteousness so that when God looks at me, He sees adding up in my life, not my sin anymore, but he adds up in my life all of the addition of Christ's own righteousness applied to me. That's justification. And it's something that's like, it's a legal transaction that he puts over my life. But at salvation, there's also a vital transaction that takes place. This Christ who declares me and sets me apart as legally justified and right before God and proclaimed to be his adopted child at the same time, vitally does something for me as well. Not just legally, but vitally. He puts his life in me, and he transforms me, and he changes me into his very presence in life. It's vital. It's living. It's filled with the impulse of God's own divine DNA. I'm something that I never was before. I'm something that God has made of me. Now, it's wonderful that I'm adopted by God. The Bible says that this legal adoption that takes place, but this is even more than legal adoption. The Bible says I'm not simply adopted. That's what we read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. It says we have received the adoption of sons in this legal status, but at the same time, it's not just a legal adoption. It's a vital new birth. So that John chapter 1 says that we are born not of the will of man, but we're born of God. It's God's own life. It's vital. You take a family who's a family of musicians from a long line of family of musicians and they have had musicians marry musicians and more musicians marry more musicians. And so the children that raise up in this family are artistic and they have music flowing out of their very fingertips, right? And they decide to adopt the orphan child of a bricklayer family who are all tone deaf and come from a long line of tone deaf bricklayers. Now, that child might grow up to appreciate music, but it'll always be a little tone deaf. You know, they'll give him the 
triangle to play when everybody else is playing their cellos and they, you know whatever it is he's just going to have his challenges now he's adopted it's wonderful and it's beautiful and they will give themselves to watch over and protect and care for and give them the inheritance of all their household equal with all their other children and that's what god has done for us we have his inheritance totally given to us like he gives with his own son jesus christ and we have the promise of his protection and his provision and this is all ours legally by adoption but this musician's family also has their own children and out of their fingertips and out of their ears and out of their expressions and out of their toes seems to flood music now this is what god does for us as well he changes us so vitally and wonderfully that our life becomes filled with the notes and the music and the sounds of god's own life flowing up from us it's vital and so when we speak of the christian life and when we speak of these metaphorical or allegorical terms of drinking from the well we're really talking about satisfying ourselves with the vitality that Christ has opened up to us the vitality that is Christ's own life pulsating in us it's not simply resting in our legal status this is something to rejoice about and be glad about but it's also an invitation to delve into the fullness of that vital life Christian, you have been adopted into God's family, but more, God has put in you his own life impulse so that he may communicate to you the vitality of his own life. Now, we have to cultivate and feed that gift that is in us. This has been the Bread of Life, ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.